Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for Power to the Pod. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins, brought to you by rockauto.com. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, managing editor of USHA's DolphinsWire.com, NFL Draft Analyst at TheDraftNetwork.com, and your MC through Dolphins fans' questions today because there was no disappointment on this front. Plethora of questions. So many, as a matter of fact, that I am not, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to have a time to hit them all, but that's okay because what I will do is I will extend some of the questions that you have provided that we don't get to hear on the show and we'll turn them into written content over at DolphinsWire.com. So I'm trying my absolute best to cover as much ground as I possibly can with all of your questions, and I am so thankful to get every single one of them. So with that said, I do have one non-power-to-the-pod-related discussion topic to bring to the table, and it has to do with continuity, because I, I frequently get these questions, and uh Stumbled across an article yesterday that I thought would be very pertinent to some of the questions Dolphins fans have about continuity. ESPN released an article highlighting each of the 32 NFL franchises and their continuity from 2019 to 2020, looking at key variables such as snaps returning on both sides of the football, starters returning, coaches returning, and the team's starting quarterback. The Dolphins in this exercise ranked 10th returning 75% of their snaps on the offensive side of the football and over 80% of their defensive snaps. In addition, the Dolphins are returning on the roster into training camp, 23 of a possible 24 starters, and obviously returning head coach Brian Flores. Despite the turnover and both coordinator positions, the Dolphins in the grand scheme of the NFL are actually looking pretty good on this front. That's a question I often get, Kyle, with Brian Flores instilling a culture in 2019. How does the impact of losing both Chad O'Shea and Patrick Graham negatively downturn that culture install? And I think the important thing to distinguish here with this article from ESPN is that it's snaps returning. Uh, entering training camp, and I do think the Dolphins' 53-man roster is going to have 50% overturn, potentially more, again this season after doing that exact same thing in 2019. But I would say this, uh, having those key players in place in different roles because you've upgraded players around them is a sign of progress for talent on your team. And it was an inevitable side effect that the Dolphins were always going to have to reconcile with how aggressive their rebuild approach was. And the, the, the Dolphins told us, you know, Chris Greer trades Minka Fitzpatrick in September, and he told us when he met with the media 
that this was a team that was not going to just sit around on a bunch of money. They wanted to be competitive. They weren't going to stretch this thing out over multiple years. So for the team to bring back this volume of, of snaps relative to the rest of the NFL, but not have them in the starting lineup, that's about as good of a scenario as you could possibly hope for because the players who bought in and saw the field last year are going, still going to predominantly be on the roster. You'll have some exceptions, of course, uh, but they're now depth. Last year's starters are this year's depth, and there's no scenario in where that is a bad thing for the Miami Dolphins. Of course, we should probably have some tempered expectations early in the season. They played the Patriots and the Bills, two critical AFC East games to open the year. It will be very easy for Dolphins fans to look at that game against New England and say, well, they don't have Tom Brady. We beat them week six, 17. Let's go get it. And maybe they do. But there's a chance that they don't, and there's a chance that the Dolphins drop their home opener against the Bills in Week 2. But if that happens, it's not time to panic. It's not time to push eject on the Dolphins and, and the progress that everyone seems to be buying into this offseason. Because, remember, none of these players have even had a chance to be in the building together at this point in time because of COVID-19. So... It's kind of an, an unfortunate set of circumstances where perhaps we have this perfect storm brewing of you know, changing landscape in the AFC East and the Dolphins getting exponentially more talented with their roster and a last place schedule. But if the team struggles with consistency early on because of a lack of chemistry, this team realistically could start the year two and four or even worse. And if that's the case, okay then continuity will have reared its ugly head. But at the end of the day, the talent that was required because of the, the exchanging and transitioning and changing of the guard from last year's starters to becoming this year's depth, the losses of the coaches is negligible at best. And then remember this, across the entire league from a continuity perspective, the Dolphins were 10th. Continuity in the league is generally... Very difficult to maintain because if you're bad, you're fired. And someone will replace you. And if you're good, somebody's going to hire your assistants to make their own team better. And you'll struggle with continuity anyway. And so on that front, you're, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? That's the, the conflict that you have. Is it's, There's no easy way to maintain continuity. And if you're good... You're boned anyway. Before we go any further, I'd like to tell everyone about our friends over at rockauto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your front door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the best brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers alike. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. 
right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. It's about 7.45 a.m. on this Tuesday morning. The, uh, the iTunes review window is closed. A few questions, a few Power to the Pod questions from over the weekend that uh, have trickled in. So I'm going to hit those first uh, because I do like to incentivize uh, shamelessly plugging, getting reviews for the podcast as a part of uh, Power to the Pod. So uh, hashtag piloting is our first uh, question here. Uh, Listen to Kyle on Locked on Dolphins and Draft Dudes. Thank you very much. Longtime listener. The transition from Travis to Kyle was effortless. Uh, my question would be, if UDFA Kirk Merritt impresses and makes the team, where does he fit in our wide receiver core as another big body? Yeah, so Kirk Merritt, uh, obviously a, a physically gifted athlete. And I think that's the first thing that stands out. And I think as you uh, see the Dolphins roster continue to graduate, right, from from being scrappy underdogs from, and an island of misfit toys and a collection of busts, and, and they get talent, players like Kirk Merritt are going to be the players that this team always rolls the dice on uh, because they have the physical components you cannot teach, and they themselves, the coaching staff, uh, is very focused and intent on player development. Where does Kirk Merritt fit into this mix? Well, he, he's more athletically dynamic than Preston Williams, so that, that's something he does have working for him. And we saw Preston Williams come in, uh, although that was with Carl Doral, who's now the head coach at Colorado, uh, University of Colorado. Um, he might be able to help bridge that gap early on, but at the same time, uh, the, the Dolphins have a, a waiver wire pickup last year who was a fourth-round pick in Gary Jennings from the Seattle Seahawks. So... If he impresses and makes the team, I would expect he's going to take the Preston Williams reps early on. Do I expect that to happen? No. Uh, But it's kind of an interesting dynamic where Miami likes size on the outside because that is traditionally what Chan Gailey's offense has implemented is is big receivers that can play physical and get off press quickly at the line of scrimmage so that they stay on schedule. And I do think Preston Williams getting off press coverage is an area for him that he'll continue to need to stay focused on because he wasn't great at that coming out of Colorado State. So maybe a bridge early on for Kirk Merritt if he does impress and make the roster, but I would be willing to to put my money on uh, some other options ahead of Kirk Merritt. The other one is from Comp BM. Great podcast. You took the tours from Travis and it brought fresh perspective on the Dolphins. Question with the emphasis on targeting in the NFL. Is the quote-unquote thumper at strong safety obsolete now? Flores seems to prefer coverage ability at safety with the conversion of Roe and McCain and the phasing out of Rashad Jones. I don't think it's obsolete, but it's definitely much more narrow scope, if that makes sense. And I think Brandon Jones, uh, the third-round selection from Texas, uh, the vision here is probably uh, a was, was sitting in on a, a scouting staff meeting at thedraftnetwork.com and having a conversation with Joe Marino, Dre Harris, who worked with the Chiefs for several years, and Jordan Reed, who uh, that's our core scouting group at the Draft Network. And um, talking about safeties in this mold, and, and Brandon Jones happened to come up, and, and Jordan Reed kind of lit up, and he said, Patrick Chung, man, uh, 
That's that's the vision for a player like Brandon Jones is a Patrick Chung type. So if you, you go look at Patrick Chung's career with the Patriots, he's had a lot of success. He's not like a, a raw, absolute, glorified linebacker like some of these guys have been in the past. But uh, I think a guy who can play, you've got to be able to provide some kind of value in coverage. And what that is for Brandon Jones, uh, I kind of like him as a, uh, they, they call it a rat, right? Your robber role. Your guy who's playing 10 to 15 yards in between the hashes and in shallow coverage looking to, to pop anything that runs across the middle. And then your objective is to step up and fill run gaps so that your deeper safeties aren't tasked with trying to get into the fit and trying to get into the gap. So I think that is as close as you're going to see really relevant for uh, a primary run support safety in the NFL these days. I think the days of these you know strong safeties who are effectively just extensions of, of linebackers, I, I do think that is somewhat a way of the past, but let's not dismiss it for good, right? Because everything is cyclical in the NFL, and inevitably – uh, there will be teams that begin to zag when everyone else is zigging and going smaller defenders and spacing the field. It's kind of just a natural reaction. Somebody's going to see the opportunity there to say, hey, what if instead of getting smaller, we go bigger and we run right at you, kind of like the Tennessee Titans did. It's a great example of that. We're going to switch over to Twitter questions. We've got a good amount of Twitter questions. Uh, Bob Snedeker, who promises he's not trying to be negative, but Bob, you you, you kind of are, kind of are being negative here. Everyone always asks, who will be the breakout player? Who do you think will be the players that disappoint this season? Not trying to be negative, I promise. Well, uh, I think Preston Williams has some red tape that he's going to have to filter through uh, to ensure that he. Uh, meets the standard of play that he put on the field early in his playing career. I uh, I don't want to assume we're going to get a full season out of Preston Williams, and I, I don't really hear a lot of Dolphins fans talk about the fact that, that Preston is coming off a major knee injury that happened midway through the year last year. So that's a, a, a little scary. Um, I think if you're expecting any of these free agent signings on defense to come in and roll up double-digit sacks, you're going to be disappointed. I think it's going to be a much more by-committee approach. Uh, I think about Emmanuel Agba, Shaq Lawson. I mean, these guys are probably all going to get between six and eight sacks. Hopefully they all get between six and eight sacks. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like my expectations are skewed. So I guess my question for everyone else would be, who's who are your perceived big breakouts this year? Who's coming up this year that you're, you're convinced is going to have a monster year? Uh, question from Bill Flynn. I'm a big fan of Devontae Parker, but do you think he can anchor the receiving core and be that number one go-to guy? Or do the Dolphins need to look hard at a true number one over the coming seasons? Uh I think Devontae showed last year he can be that guy, and I think he's going to be due for more targets in the passing game this year. So he's going to have every opportunity to um, repeat the performance that he had last year. But I would say this, uh, Devontae, it's never been a problem of like physical talent, right? There's been some issues 
with preparations and durability and taking care of his body. So it Devonte just prove that, that you've turned a corner on that front and I'll feel comfortable as Devonte Parker being a number one wide receiver, but I need to see him do it again this year before I'm like, no, the Dolphins don't need to go get an alpha. And like, ideally you got two ones, right? Like that's the perfect world. I look at the Broncos with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Um, the Cowboys very quietly have two potential high end potential, like thousand yard receivers in Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So I don't think that dolphins have that other dude, if that makes sense. So I still think looking at a, perceived number one receiver down the road uh, is within reason. I really would have loved to have seen if the Dolphins chose to take CeeDee Lamb. Uh, if he were there on the board at 18, uh, at least put the team in conflict. I know they were kind of married to uh, getting an offensive tackle. We heard that even before the NFL Combine. They wanted an offensive tackle with their second pick. But like, if CeeDee Lamb's there, you take him? And then maybe you trade up and go get Cesar Ruiz? Robert Hunt still. I mean, there's there's work to be done in the wide receiver room, Bill. I, I genuinely believe that. And I think they need another stud in that group to make it work to the degree in which we saw Tua make it work at Alabama. Um, nameless Jester. Do you think there's a team that the media wants to compare Miami to that isn't very accurate, whether Miami's better off or currently worse off? Who is an accurate comparison for Miami? You know, honestly, I look at the Buffalo Bills and the way that they built their roster, the way they built their team up, and that stands out to me as kind of like, it's the same general blueprint as far as a super aggressive overhaul of the offensive line. Uh, they managed to secure their, their quarterback organically, although the Bills overachieved the year that they went out and got their quarterback. They went 9-7, and seven, made the playoffs with Terod Taylor. Uh, had to trade up twice to go get Josh Allen, but they did so without mortgaging the future because they coveted picks, and now they've got a really deep roster because they picked in volumes and so on and so forth. That's the team for me. I, I think the Dolphins uh, have a quarterback with a higher ceiling than what you have with Josh Allen, and you got a really good coach in Sean McDermott. That's the team I'm inspired the most by to say, let's let's follow that blueprint, and if we get a quarterback with a higher ceiling... Let's see where that can take us. My friends, please hear my cry. I may or may not have put in an order for six boxes of Built Bar this weekend. <laughs> if you're uninitiated, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's got as much protein as your typical protein bar, but one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar. These things are delicious. And I've been out for about a week, kind of lazy, and then I finally got inspired and got on. And I'll be damned if these guys don't have more additional flavors than the last time I got on the website two weeks ago. They always are introducing new flavors. It's always a fresh experience. And whether you're looking for a meal replacement, post-workout meal, or just a snack, Built Bar has a fit for you. As a listener of the Locked On Network, we have an offer for you. If you use promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com, you can save yourself $10 off your first box. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save yourself $10 off your first box. Don't just take my word for it. Find out what all the fuss is for yourself. 
Continuing down the home stretch here for Locked on Dolphins, power to the pod. Question from Tone Toto. What are your feelings on Chris Sims ranking Tua as the 40th best quarterback in the NFL? He's pretty much anti-Tua. Are any of his criticisms warranted? Well, I know Chris was kind of skeptical of Tua beforehand, uh, before the NFL draft, and I understand why, and... uh, do I agree with Chris Sims? No. Um, but I, I, this is a very nuanced feel, right? A lot of it's opinion field because at the end of the day, people who have the opinions of the players aren't the players who get their hands on the players, except for those who make the picks and, and coach the team. So uh, us from the far on the outside, we can only look at the environment that, that each of these players is in the talents of that player and how they're able to showcase their talents. And we each individually have to choose what is the most important core thesis of each player. So Chris seemed to lock in on supporting cast at Alabama and and playing with four first-round picks at wide receiver, and you're not going to get that in the NFL. I'm like, that's cool. Like, I get it. But... um, I don't agree with this assessment. Uh, I think two is one of over the last four years. Two is my uh, third highest rated prospect at the quarterback position. Uh, he trails Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield, and then it was Tua and Deshaun Watson. Uh, so those those were the top four evals I've given out in the past four years. Uh, so. I don't agree with Chris Sims on this take, but I'm not going to slam Chris for it. You know, Chris was one of the guys that was super high on Lamar Jackson when it, when it was super popular before the draft and, and immediately after the draft and Lamar's rookie season, be like, oh, Lamar, you know, he's running back, da 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 all that bullshit that Bill Polian put out there. Um, so agree to disagree with Chris. Uh, Ocean Jackson, strictly from a talent perspective, is there a Dolphins roster that you would like to have seen coached by Flores and his staff. What is the year? I want to make sure I get the year right. Hold on. I believe the year I wanted to hit, it was definitely the beginning of the decade uh, when the team had Brandon Marshall and Reggie Bush and Brian Hartline was on this squad and Anthony Fasano, who Brian Flores and and company would have freaking loved, right? and uh, obviously healthy Cam Wake. Uh, Jason Taylor was on the team in, in 2011. Randy Starks, Jared Odrick, Carlos Dansby was on this squad. Yermaya Bell, one of my favorite, like, underrated Dolphins, like, nonsensical crush, right? Vontae Davis, Sean Smith, this group. 2011, of course, this team, starting quarterbacks were Matt Moore and Chad Henney, but, like, I'll be damned. If Matt Moore didn't have a good year this year, played pretty loose, threw for 2,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, he was sacked a ton, sacked on 9.4% of his attempts. The team started 0 and 7, sound familiar, and finished the year 6 and 10, sound familiar. Uh, so Tony Sperano's team went 4 and 9 before Todd Bowles came in as interim over the final three games, and the team went 2 and 1 in those football games. That would be the group, because this this was a talented roster. The starting lineup, you know, once you got Matt Moore in the lineup, it was Reggie Bush. Charles Clay was on this squad. Brian Hartline, Brandon Marshall is the supporting cast. 
The offensive line, by the way, had Jake Long, Richie Incognito, Mike Pouncey, and Vernon Carey on. It's not a bad group. Defensively, Randy Starks, Jared Odrick, Paul Soliai, Cam Waite, Carlos Dansby, Sean Smith, Fonte Davis, Rashad Jones. Yeah, 2011. That's the squad I would want to see him work with. Uh, let's see. Additional questions today. We're coming down the home stretch. Sean wants to know if we think we'll see Jerome Baker play more will this year. Uh, lack of a nose tackle, more even fronts, and middle linebacker addition seems to make that more a possibility. I do. I think Jerome took one for the team last year and uh, played in traffic a little bit more than ideally you would have liked to see him play. So I think that's reasonable. Um, I do have the typical terrific, egregious Philbin question to get to, but I did have a couple of questions from uh, Jack and Paul regarding chemistry. You know, chemistry on the offensive line specifically and defensively with defense winning championships and how long is it going to take to get that all in order? It's not an easy answer to that, uh, unfortunately. It depends on the, the players in question, and I think that's part of the reason why the Dolphins are, tar- are targeted the players that they did because they're high football IQ. They should be able to pick up and process this playbook, and the smarter your players are, the easier it is for everybody to get on the same page and know what they're supposed to do based on certain looks. I would be patient. September, I would not expect the best results in September. I think this team, much like last year's team, will get better from the start of the year to the end of the year. Egregious Philbin. Which fictional group of characters would you choose to put on the Miami Dolphins to get the roster over the top? A, Airbud, the golden receiver. B, the nutty professor and the entire Klump family... <laughs> For the offensive line. C, Uncle Rico at quarterback. D, Sonny Weaver at GM. E, Nigel Gruff at kicker. And F, Jason Street as QB coach. I don't mess with the quarterback position. I like what we got going on right there. As tempting as it is to to select the Klump family for the offensive line, I think I'd go with Nigel Gruff at kicker because I think that's the one that... uh, Nigel Gruff, Gruff, of course, being from The Replacements, the movie Replacement. If you're not a movie guy or gal, uh, these are all fictional movie characters from sports films uh, that's being uh, referenced here by Egregious Film. David asked, Nick Needham possibly moving to free safety. I doubt it. I don't think he's quite dynamic enough. Uh, Haven't really seen that layer of ball skills and locating the ball in the air. Uh, from leveraged positions. <sighs> Athletically, I think Nick Needham's always going to be the statistical anomaly uh, for the Dolphins in their secondary. So I think he's best off at nickel corner where you can protect him a little bit from an athleticism perspective. But uh, Nick is going to be a staple on special teams, kick coverages, so on and so forth, and a terrific depth piece based on the development that uh, – he showed throughout the course of the season. Reese Stark with a very ambitious, and I don't dislike it, take. Uh, take the Dolphins will sweep the Bills. The first game is a September, team in, September game in Miami, and the second, the Bills could be resting starters. That is the pathway to sweeping the Bills, I think. I think the Bills are a team that their roster is in a good enough position where the Dolphins should not be expecting to sweep games uh, with so many young players. But if they catch him at home and it's a nasty South Florida day, 
that can play into Miami's advantage. And then if we get to week 17 and Buffalo has clinched the division or they've clinched a wild card spot and they're locked into place, yes, that that that's a reasonable possibility. Should we expect it? No. Should I expect to see you back for tomorrow's show? That's what I would like to know. That is going to do it for us today on the show. Uh, we really enjoy you carving some time out of your day to tune in to Locked on Dolphins. I co- hope you keep it locked in right here the rest of the week. Hit subscribe. We got some more questions that were not covered today that I will be hitting throughout the course of the rest of the week. So come on back and see me again soon. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of this fine Tuesday.